And everybody said? All right, we are learning to follow, right? Keyword is learning. We haven't learned yet, and that's the journey of following God, is we never really arrived, but the journey is oh so sweet. Today, I want to talk to you about just out of Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. If you have your Bibles, you want to open up your MVCC app, there's a Bible right there for you. You can also watch on the screens. We're going to be delving into a subject that I not only feel passionate about, but instructed by the Lord that this is something that is so important. If there's one Sunday that you chose to be in service here or either online, I just want to encourage you, this is it. I don't want you to miss what God is saying about the power and learning of prayer in our life. Amen? A church, a community of people that believe in Jesus, the power of prayer is what holds us together. It is our lifeline to God. Where there is no praying in the church, there is no power. We can just easily get into kind of a routine. And I love the song that we just sang Uh, in the worship set about God knows our name, we are known by him, but there's also someone else that knows your name. And so I want you to, to be encouraged today. I want most of all for God to speak to us about learning to pray and most of all learning to listen to the voice of God. How many of you here would say, I, Mike, I'm with you. I want to hear God's voice. I want to be able to discern learning his voice, right? I, I hope every heart is just open. Yes, God, this is exactly where I want to be. There are roughly a thousand people, men, women, and children that say MVCC is their home, whether online or here physically in our services. I also want to say that there's someone else who knows your name if you are a follower of Christ. And of course, that's the enemy himself. But I want you to be reminded today before we get to the text, you are anointed and you are appointed as a child of God, as a servant of God, and as a warrior for Jesus Christ and prayer is our weapon. The devil absolutely wants to take you down. He wants to take your spiritual life down. He wants to take your marriage down, your singleness. He wants to take any aspect and get you off track and off kilter so much so that we lose focus on what it means to passionately love and serve people for Jesus Christ. You are saved. You are Holy Spirit driven. You are not condemned, Romans 8.1. You are God's kid. Romans, or John chapter 1, verse 12. You know, there's a place in the book of Acts after Jesus had died and he rose again on the third day. Then he spent 40 days in a window of time with his 12 disciples and other disciples, giving them some final instructions. Now the church has exploded. After Jesus has ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit comes to the disciples in that upper room, 120 of them, and they go out and they start sharing the gospel, doing miracles, loving people, serving the community, and all of a sudden, a city is turned right side up for God. What I love about this one scene in Acts chapter 19 is Paul and his companions are there, and there's a question because there's someone who's driven by a demonic force, a demon, who's speaking through this people, this man, And as he's speaking there in that moment, he says, hey, um, you're trying to do miracles in the name of Jesus. You're trying to do work in the name of Jesus. Jesus we know, Paul we know, but we don't know you. We don't know you. The demonic says, we know Jesus and Paul, but who are you? If you are a Christian today, the enemy knows who you are, and he absolutely wants to take you down. I don't know if there's anyone here that has any trouble. Anyone here that's going through something? Either we're in something, going through something, or coming out of something, right? I don't know if you ever felt like this, but this is the visual that I see about spiritual battle that goes on, and prayer is your weapon. Prayer is absolutely in the hands 
Sometimes I just feel like there's an enemy or circumstances or problems that are just crowding in and overpowering. But God has given you a sword by the word of God and he's given you prayer as your weapon against the enemy. But it is such an intimate moment with God in prayer that we can hear the very voice of God. We can sense his power, his presence, and we can be driven to follow Jesus day by day. So I want you to be encouraged today. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 13, I'll just make reference to that. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you may take your stand against what? The devil and his schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, not against the rulers, not against anyone here physically, but against those in authority, the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil, where? In the heavenly realms. Your enemy is not your husband. Your enemy is not your wife. Your enemy is not the crazy uncle that comes to all the family outings and has to make everything about him or that toxic person that lives next door to you that's just looking for a fight. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not my problem. (laughs) The enemy is your problem, right? The enemy absolutely wants to do everything he can to stop. If I were the enemy, I would want to do two things. And we'll get to the text in just a moment. There's two things I'd want to do. Number one, I'd do everything I could to stop you from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would, I would, I would shut you down. I would shut down the greatest message known to mankind, that Jesus came. He's a God in heaven who loves us. He died on a cross and rose again. And not only can we have eternal life by faith, but we have this life abundant. He changes us from within. We have purpose, direction. We have meaning. We have a reason to wake up in the morning. But most of all, we are loved by God. I would stop you from sharing with someone at Starbucks. I would stop you when just a relationship starts to happen at work, friendship, trust, honor, integrity, and they start looking at you and they think, man, there's something different about you and you begin to share the gospel. I would distract you. I would stop you. I would hinder everything in your life from sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ. The second thing I would do if I was the enemy, I would stop you from praying. If I can get a Christian to stop praying, then they start walking in the flesh. We start walking by our own understanding. We start walking by what we see and what we know rather than the power of Jesus of the unseen and trusting him in total faith. Now, here's the key. I want to listen. I want to be able to discern the voice of God. I want you today to do something so simple yet so powerful and life-changing, and that is simply this. I want you to be able to say, I am making prayer the priority of my life. And I I believe if you do that today, you will enhance your relationship with Jesus, the intimacy with God. All of a sudden, Christianity will become exciting because doors will begin to open that you have not able to see before because prayer opens doors that no man can open. I believe that God wants you today to be so singly focused. I will bathe everything in my life in prayer. I will take every moment of every day and I will bathe it in prayer, God. I believe that prayer can help you from falling, can help you stay out of trouble, can help us not lean on our own understanding. Now, before we get to the text, just to set it up here, Jesus has been moving about through the Galilean area. He's On his way now, Jerusalem, the last six months of his earthly life, he's going to go to the cross. The sacrifice of his whole life here on earth is going to be laid down so that all of humanity will be saved. And of all the things that the apostles, one apostle could have asked him, the disciples, 
Lord, teach us to preach like you. We, we want to see the thousands on the grassy slopes of the Galilean Sea. We can feed 25,000. Teach us to teach like you. Teach us, God, to, to do miracles like you. We want to raise the dead. We want to cast out demons. Teach us, God, to do that. Now, the one thing they asked Jesus to teach them, Lord, teach us to what? Pray, yes. And not only in Jesus' life, but they saw something in John the Baptist's life. They saw something in this fiery preacher that shared the good news of Jesus Christ before Jesus got there by one word, repent, man, get ready because the kingdom of God is coming. We saw something in John. We saw this intimacy that we've never seen before. Now in the context, these are Jewish people. Jewish people went to the temple to pray. They went to the synagogue. Prayer was kind of rote. It was very uh, liturgical. It was something that they recited. Even though it came from the heart, they had prayers that they recited. When Jesus prayed, our Father, Abba, Daddy. There's something that they saw. There's something that they sensed. They saw the power of God and Jesus connect in such a way they said, man, we want that. The greatest gift that you can have is to somebody say, I want what you have. I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it's that weird, crazy place behind the donut shop that you're going to every Sunday, or I don't know what you're drinking. I don't know what you're doing, but I want what you have. You have peace and joy. You have something in your life that I want. When they saw Jesus get up early in the morning, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, very early in the morning, Jesus got up while it was still dark, went to a solitary place where he prayed. That was a common routine of Jesus' life. It wasn't religious. It wasn't religion. It was, I got to meet with the Father. I have to be able to listen to what my Father says. Do you remember Jesus says in the book of John over and over, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I have to complete the work that the Father gave me to do. And the disciples in that Mark chapter 1 passage come up to Jesus at the end of that morning and they start pulling on his shroud and say, Jesus, we got to go over here. There are tons of people waiting for you. He says, no, we need to go to the outskirts of Galilee. I've heard from God. I want you to be able to develop a relationship that is so dynamic. It is so passionate. It's something that's beyond this world. It's nothing in this world could ever compare to the prayer life that you have in Jesus Christ. To be able to hear him, discern him, and follow him. The more that I hear the voice of God, I feel like I can follow him in a world that is so chaotic, that is so adversarial to God, that is so, so against the biblical principles that Jesus gave us in the Bible from 66 books of Genesis to Revelation. There is a construct that is moving. It's not just tolerating God. Now that the, the culture is against God. Have you found that to be true? And the only weapon you have in the unseen world, we have weapons here on earth, but the only weapon that matters and has strength and power and authority is your prayer life. I want you to be able to grab the sword. There are three things that I want you to see today in your notes and the seat back in front of you. There's some notes I've just found. If you're visiting with us, feel free to pull that out. If I write it down, helps me remember. Or if I put it in my phone, I know I can refer to it. But there are three simple things that we're going to look at in Jesus's words here. Pattern, parable, and promise. There's a pattern of prayer. You may be sitting here thinking, you know what, Mike, I'm with you. I want to be a passionate prayer warrior for God. I want to be like David. I want to be like some of the apostles, but I'm not sure how to do it. We're going to talk about Jesus's pattern that he gave us. Then he gave us an illustration, a parable, a story to, to, to 
to be able to see through the window of the power of never giving up in prayer. And then, of course, there's a promise given, which I'm so grateful that Jesus is the ultimate promise keeper. Aren't you glad for that? He never breaks a promise, ever. So here, let's start in verses 1 to 13. In Luke chapter 11, we'll follow along together. Imagine the disciples have now come to Jesus Christ. One of them asked the question, we want to have relationship with God just like you. So can you teach us how to do this? Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus told them, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day food that we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And please, God, don't lead us into a temptation area. Give us the strength to overcome the temptation. And then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you want a friend's, went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night, the entire night, and my family are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. My other Bible version in NIV says, because of your boldness, because you won't let me go, because you keep bothering me, all right already. So I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will simply be opened. Your fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's look at the pattern. Basically, hallowed be your name. When I get into a prayer time with God, I just simply have something just so simple. I went down to, to Barnes & Noble and I picked up just a black notebook. It's got empty pages in it, blank pages. And in the first few pages, I just because I started a new one. By the way, I save all my prayer journals. It's just for me. They're in a box. They're in an attic because I just... Maybe someday my kids are going to fall onto it after I'm long and gone with the Lord in heaven, and maybe they might be inspired. Now, mine here has a Batman insignia on there. You don't have to do that, but it just, it's just something that I like. And this is my prayer journal. What this means is I'm not writing out every single prayer. I'm not diarying. I'm not journaling everything that happens in my life. I just need some structure. I just need something to follow. I'm a little bit ADD. I can lose interest really quick. So I need something that help me follow. And the pattern, he says, when you come to me, don't just start asking everything that you need. We'll get into that. First thing I want you to do is I want you to brag on my name. When you sit with someone you love, you sit with someone you have a close relationship with, and you say, man, I just so much appreciate you, and here's why. And you start listing all these things that you're so grateful for, for that person, right? 
That's exactly what God wants us to do. It doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be big words. God, you are a mighty God. And let me tell you why you are so mighty. God, you are a promise keeper. God, you are El Shaddai. God, you, the names in the Bible are endless, but you can just speak from the heart. God, I love you so much for loving me, for never stop loving me. When I go squirrely, when I go east, when I go west and I lose my way, or sometimes, God, I confess, I run away from you. You never stop loving me, and I love you, God. That's what we do when we first come into the place of prayer. Amen? Second is this. God, help my life to reflect the kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What he's saying to us is, I want your life to reflect my kingdom. People of the kingdom imitate the king. He's our king, King Jesus, and we follow him. That means bringing a little bit of heaven down to earth. That means where I work. That means my neighborhood, school, class, friendships, sports arena, wherever we are, wherever we go, the gym, places that we are moving about, soccer field, on the the field with our kids, grandkids, whatever season of life that you might be in, maybe someday hope to have kids. God, help me. Help me, God. I want so much for people to see you through my life. Second is this, we pray for what we need. Now, sometimes we get hung up on this because we think, well, I'm not worthy to ask of God. God says, ask me. I want you to ask me. Ask me of everything you want. What will start to happen? Don't feel bad about, Lord, I'd really like to have a new car. Don't, don't feel bad about asking him for that. I want to make sure that I check it out with his word. What does God want? What does God want me to have? What do I, it's not what I want, it's what I need. So when we ask of God, I have a list of things that I'm asking for. God, I'm asking you for a revival that happens in our South County area. I'm asking for Mission Valley Christian Church to explode with salvations and people just falling in love with you all over again. People so spot on for the gospel. People so what passionately living for you, God, that it makes an indelible imprint that will never be forgotten in South County area. Those are, those, those are things that are just on my heart, so I write those things down. What will happen is, the more that we align ourselves with him, we'll start asking him the things that he wants us to have. So that takes away the stress from Well, what if I'm asking for something that God doesn't want me to have? It's okay. God will say no. He will say not yet. He will say maybe. And it's okay. I I just think sometimes we don't ask because we think, well, should I ask for this? It seems kind of outlandish. What happens is the more that we spend our time in intimacy with God, the more that I make prayer a priority, I want the things that he wants. So now all of a sudden I'm asking him the things that he wants me to have. And that's why he says at the end, ask anything you will and it'll be done for you. That does not mean I get the new car if I just ask. That doesn't mean I get the townhouse. That doesn't mean I get everything. It means all of a sudden when I start aligning myself with you, God, I'm picking up on the waves, the spiritual waves that you're giving me, and I'm in tune. I'm in alignment with what you want for my life. Number four is this. Forgive me, God. There has to be humility in prayer. Forgive me, God, when I have blown it. Forgive me, God, when I said what I shouldn't have said. I, I, I did what I shouldn't have done. Forgive me, Lord, as I've forgiven others. I hope we caught that. It's more descriptive through the other gospels that we see in Matthew and Mark that this prayer pattern that we're looking at, we cannot expect to be forgiven if we don't forgive. We skim over that. Really, Oh, that's not really what Jesus meant. I think that's what Jesus meant face to face. If I don't have a forgiving heart, 
If I've been saved and sanctified and I've met Jesus and yet I'm unwilling to forgive, not that I can't, but I'm unwilling, there's a problem with the heart. That's why we must come to God. Forgive me, Lord, as I have forgiven others. And I make a list of some people. Now, I use code in my journal. I don't use people's names, but I'll put code in there only that I know. God, help my heart to not be bitter against this person that really is against me or doesn't like me or just shunned me or speaking bad about my name or whatever it is, Lord, help me to forgive. And last is, God, give me strength for the temptation of the bad stuff that's out there in the world. But also, God, give me the strength to do the good stuff. If Christianity for you today is just saying no to the bad stuff, that's boring. That, that's a task. That, 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 that doesn't bring about the life that God wants. In fact, I found that there's more to say yes to in the word of God than there is to say no. And when I spend my time saying yes to the things God wants me to do, I don't have time to do the no's. I don't even want to do the no's. And when I first got saved, I remember the first few months I got saved, I didn't even like want to party anymore. I didn't want to do the stuff that my other friends were doing for the first 17 and a half years of my life because I had so met Jesus Jesus changed everything from the inside out. All right, second is the parable, the story. So we've seen the pattern for prayer. I hope you're getting this. I want you to be equipped in prayer. I hope in your life groups, I hope that you're discussing some of this about help me to develop a pattern of prayer life, God, that brings intimacy with you so that most of all, I can hear your voice. I can't see you. Sometimes I can't feel you. Sometimes, God, I don't know that you're there. I know that, but I don't sense your power. I don't feel your presence. But God, help me to hear your voice. And in order to hear God's voice, I must shut down the world. I've got to shut down the voices and spend time with him. Now, this parable story, I love it. It's just so simple. The visual I see is this guy who's in a makeshift home. These homes, biblical days, were maybe 300 square feet, very, very small, two stories, and there was a living quarters on top. And I just see that someone's knocking on the door. I need bread. Of course, in that culture, bread was the sustenance of life. They, that, 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 that was a common thing. So Jesus used common things to give a spiritual truth. Guy comes knocking the door. Man, I need bread. I got people coming in from Vegas. I need bread. I need bread. I don't have anything. If I come down and get you the bread, I'm going to wake up my family. My wife is going to be upset. My kids won't get to school on time. It is going to make havoc in my life. No. But he peers open the window. He doesn't have ring on his doorstep. He peers out the window and the guy is still there. And he's still not. He won't leave. I just think God is saying to us today, bug me, bother me. Keep asking. My wife and I have this thing. We will keep asking until God says no. I'll just keep asking. Until you say no, Lord, I will ask and ask and ask. I don't know where that comes from. I think, you know, a little bit of my father put that into me, that he just had this perseverant kind of spirit. He just, my father never gave up. He kind of instilled that into us. But I like to think that some of it's from the Holy Spirit, that I will never give up praying for revival on this side of heaven. Devil, is that all you got? You think you're going to push against the church? You think you're going to take down the church? You don't know anything about Jesus Christ and his power. We have the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, this term that Jesus uses in the story and the promise as we move to is Abba, Father, this term of endearment, this intimacy, this, this closeness of a father who protects, who provides, 
who is long-suffering, who leads the way by example. Those visuals are her heavenly father. Even if we've had a bad experience of an earthly father, we did not have a nurturing experience in our earthly life here, it, it doesn't mean that we cannot experience that with God. If we bring that to God and say, God, this is something I was missing in my life. I, I need that from you, God. God will bless. He said, he's a heavenly father that wants to give. And those of us who are living in a sinful world, who we do wrong, and sometimes we do right and we do wrong and sometimes we do right we still give good gifts to our children don't we we know how to do that and if we know how to do that how much more can god give us what we need this this i I can't get away from this intimate relationship that god wants to have with us this closeness this drawn close spirit and anyone who asks the holy spirit and what he's saying here of course this is pre-pentecost So in Acts 2.38, it says, when we repent and get baptized and we believe in Jesus Christ, we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit and forgiveness of sins. Jesus was saying, ask more of me. I am Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And now you have a companion. You have a GPS. you You have a comfort zone for you inside in your life. And I want you to ask more of the Holy Spirit. This, this ongoing relationship that's day to day, moment by moment, second by second, is a term of endearment that God says, come close to my heart. I know the things that you've done. I understand that. That's why I paid the price on Calvary. So you can have this closeness. Even in the midst of you aren't the way I want you to be, I choose to see you as holy. Isn't that what he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21? We are made into the righteousness of God. Literally, God pours his righteousness into us. Are we righteous? No. I'll never make it here on this side of heaven. But when we get to heaven, we'll be changed. In in a flash of an eye, in a twinkling of an eye, we will be in a perfected state the way Jesus called us to be originally in the Garden of Eden. And we'll be in the presence of God forever, man. I am so longing for that. Can't wait for that. This term of endearment that he wants us to understand is that as Jesus heard the voice of God, as he had quiet times very early in the morning before it was dark, he wants us to follow that same pattern, I believe, with him. Doesn't mean it has to be legalistically in the morning. Just I want you to carve out some time to be with me. And trust me, because I want to teach you to hear my voice. How many of you need to hear a voice out there? From God, I do. I want to hear it every moment of every day. When I'm at the bank, when I'm at the grocery store, when I'm walking my dog, I want to hear God. What's going on behind this, this person who lives eight doors down from me? Lord, what, how do you want me to pray for this person? How do you want me to pray, God, for the situation at work? Oh, I'm hearing, I'm sensing, because we are so in the word and we are so intimate with God, we become familiar with his voice. When my wife and I lived in Hawaii, just to illustrate this real quick, we, our, one of our favorite places was Hanama Bay. Anyone ever been to Hanama Bay on Oahu? It's beautiful. You've got to go there. If you go to Oahu, you've got to go to Hanama Bay. It's where all the tourists from all over the world come. It's always packed. It's just beautiful. It's in this cove, and the water is so crystal clear, you literally can feed the fish from your hand. You can walk through um, several feet of water, and you can see literally moray eels swimming around. The, the, the reef is just beautiful. People stay there for hours. So my wife and I, we'd go down there and just kick it down there, and we'd do a little snorkeling and stuff and come back and sit on the beach. And I'm watching all the tourists this one afternoon. And I could tell this one family, they were from someplace completely opposite of Hawaii. And I'll tell you why. They had the white sunblock all over their body. <laughs> they had coolers up to the mountains. They had 
blankets, but they were loud. They wore the really loud Aloha shirts, yellow, green, blue. You, you just, you don't wear those Aloha shirts. If you're wearing one today, we still love you, but you just, you don't wear those in Hawaii. So their son, they had a son and a daughter, goes out to do some snorkeling, comes back, and when, I don't, for whatever reason, um, he came back and he was, he was walking up the sand on the, the shoreline looking for, he was disoriented because he had snorkels and masks and, and, and sunblock all over him. He looked like a sea hunt reject. And I saw, I saw this moment, it forever is embedded in my mind, that as ridiculous and hideous that this kid looked, he was so awkward and so nerdy and so just out there from outer space. When his father locked on eyes with his son, he stood up and brought a towel and he called his son over and they embraced and they hugged. Didn't matter what the kid looked like. I thought about that. I thought, you know what? I look like the sea hunt reject to God. I do. Because of the things that I do that I shouldn't do. And what I should do, I don't do. Paul even said, man, I struggle till the day I die. I'm going to struggle because this war against the, the spirit of God and the spirit of the flesh is always in conflict. And I just hope that I can get better at this. And prayer is the power source from hearing God. When my kids were little, 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 I think I shared this a couple years ago just for the sake of just quick. I just want to share this again because it's such a powerful visual for me. When we go to the OC fair, I heard this is the first weekend of OC fair again. Yay, since the pandemic. I love the fair. We go there every year with our kids when they were little. They wanted to go on a big ride. I said, no way. They were little, little. I said, you ain't going on that ride. The guy who pulls the levers going with a cigarette, you want to go again, kid? You're not going. (laughs) Dad, dad, please, 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 you can watch us. I said, okay, okay. I will let you go. Give you the ticket. I watch. So my wife and I are watching. As they are now going into a sea of thousands of people with all these voices and music and carnivals and people throwing things over at this, this thing over here and all this stuff's going on. You want hot dogs? You want Cokes? All this, all this erratic behavior is going on. And I forgot to give something to Jonathan. And I said to him, Jonathan, in the sea of all these people with music and distraction, as soon as he heard my voice, he turned around and came back. The reason that he was able to discern my voice in the midst of all the chaos was because it was so familiar to him. He was so around me every day as a little kid that he, oh, that's my dad's voice. This is why I feel so passionate and so important that I want you to get this today. Prayer is the power source for your life. It cannot be something that we just do on Sunday morning. It can't be something that, well, we just do when we get the meal before us. Prayer has to be the ongoing, driven passion of your life because it is your lifeline where you connect with the Father. And most of all, you hear his voice. You hear it. It's a matter of life and death. This is not just something nice to do. Times will get tough. Revelation 19, 20, and 21 says it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. The persecution and the opposition from the world and the spirit of the Antichrist that's already at work, as 1 John tells us, it's already working against the gospel. You have to decide, do you want to be a warrior or do you just want to be a warrior? You have to decide. It's not magic. It's it's not something that just comes easy. You, You have to make the decision now. What voice am I going to listen to? God gave us such a clear pattern, didn't he, of how to pray. We know how to do it. And if you're already doing it, keep doing it. And then he gives us this wonderful parable, this story that we can understand about not giving up. Keep fighting, keep asking. 
And then the last one, so simple. Thank you, God. You're such a promise keeper. You promised that you would answer our prayers. Not always how I like, but you promised. And the more that I'm in alignment with him, I'm a little bit easier to accept the no or not yet than I used to be. Amen? Some action points, and then I want to show you something. I, I want you to hear a story that a- absolutely opened up a window that I never saw before about hearing the voice and trusting God. Some action points that, that I think are helpful for us today. I know that I've mulled over this. I've pr- thought about this. I've prayed about this. God, what do you want me to do? And here's number one. Make a decision about prayer today. Go somewhere or go on Amazon. doesn't matter. Pick something up for yourself. Whatever you need, if it's your phone or something physical, or maybe you don't need this, we're all kind of wired differently, but whatever it takes so that there's a routine of meeting with God. I can't emphasize enough, meeting with him, meeting with the Holy Spirit, your senior partner is vital. So I want you to make decision. We're doing this. Amen? Number two is this. Talk to God as father, believing that he is your heavenly father. You have to believe this. You have to come to grips with he loves you. He wants the best for you. He's not out to get you. God doesn't want to smack you every time you do something wrong. He wants to give. He wants to protect. He wants to, even in the struggle and sometimes the unanswered questions in prayer, he wants to draw close to us. And that's why it's so, so important to understand, Dad, I need something. And number three is, don't feel guilty, don't feel less spiritual, don't feel unworthy to keep asking. You keep asking. I've been praying for one soul for 33 and a half years. One person for 33 and a half years. It gets tiring. I want to see the yes. I don't like no's, I like the yes, especially on salvation. And I'll tell you that I have not seen one glimpse of movement from this person from deadness to life. I have not seen it yet, but I'm not giving up. I heard that George Mueller prayed for 62 years for a soul. He never saw that person get saved, but they got saved after he died. Don't give up. You keep pressing in. You want the married life. You want the single life. You want healing, miracle, whatever you, you ask and ask and ask. I want you to be so tenacious about asking God. It is the driving force of your life. Your marriage will be blessed. Your job will be blessed. Your life will be blessed the more you ask because you're moving yourself in alignment with him, which is what we all want. And number four is this. Pray with confidence, man. Pray with not arrogance, not pride, but confidence and expectation. If I'm praying about it, God's gonna do something about it. Again, it may not be what I want, but I know he's gonna move. If I'm asking, I'm expecting Not what I want, but I'm expecting, God, what you want. I mean, the more that you put yourself in this pattern, you'll be more at peace with, God, I trust you. I need to hear your voice on this. We must listen for his voice. I cannot emphasize that enough. God, I want to hear from you. In the midst of all these voices, in the OC fair of life, I got to hear from you, God. And I know, I know it requires me to be still and quiet, to settle my heart. And I need your help with that, Holy Spirit. Jesus' name. I came across a video that I wanted to share with you about an attorney who flew from L.A. to Alaska 
for a hearing, a quick turnaround trip. He shares his experience. It's so moved me to action. I wanted to share it with you. It's about six and a half minutes. I need you just please stay with it. There's at the end of it, I I hope that you'll see that there's an opening to God's obedience in a whole new way. And just, I I just want you to see this on the screens and then we'll, we'll close at the end of the video about listening. Was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. A pastor came up and he said, Listen, I can save you money. I said, How's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here. And I fly a small airplane. And I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it. You got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front, I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up, and it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going (laughs) to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? (laughs) Now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me, and his eyes roll back in his head. And he starts mumbling, and he passes out. Passed out cold. Now, I grabbed him, and I shook him, and I said, Come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now, we're in the clouds, flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, We're dead, aren't we? I said, There's a very good chance of that, yes. He said, What are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there, and I handed him the microphone, and I said, Start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, tell we don't know nothing. Tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell him that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. 
But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice. Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm. Just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices. And everybody in this world wants to talk to you. And everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop. And the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. The knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one. 
who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, holy. Thanks for staying with that. I just thought it was so powerful listening to his voice. Father, as we take this quiet time, God, in the middle of what we call a service, but Lord, you said it's all a worship for me. I pray that we would lay ourselves down as that living sacrifice, whatever it takes, God, to hear your voice, to follow where you want us to go, what you want us to do. Jesus, I thank you that at that evening meal, the last one that you had with them, your followers, that you simply said, here, take this, eat this, because I'm leaving, and I want you to remember me. Drink this cup. God, thank you for the reminder. Thank you for giving us the call that every time we gather, we just remember you and hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. So this... this quiet time, I just really want to encourage you as the elements for those in the front may be passed here in a moment. In the seat back in front of you, there's a small cup with some juice and some bread. Just want to encourage you to take a few moments just to be still and quiet for his voice. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.